Hi, and welcome to Zion Pentecostal Church's podcast. I'm Pastor Jared, and I'll have more to say at the end. But for now, let's dive into this week's teaching. (laughs) I showed this to the kids in Soul Food on Thursday. And then Friday morning, we took my boys because we ended up getting a cancellation for a youth rally. We took them to Haven's birthday party in Deer Lake where he came in contact with at least 40 other children as far up as St. Anthony down to Port of Bass at the swimming pool. And you figure chlorine wouldn't be no big deal. And this morning, my son is homesick. And as a parent, your natural reaction in this time is to panic. I'm so afraid. And I don't even want to make a joke of it because here's, there's, it's, not just, it's not just a disease that comes so naturally to be afraid. No one is immune to fear. I am afraid all the time when I pick up this mic. I'll say the wrong thing, and I'll be less than the image of a loving Christ to somebody who needs to hear the truth. I'm afraid that I'll say the wrong thing, and then Pastor Darren will put his face in his palm, and I'll feel like an idiot. (laughs) I'm so glad he's not here this morning to see this. (laughs) Ah, I'm afraid at times that our future is not as certain as our hope. And I know that those things often are tied together, but... I know that God wins in the end. I am afraid of how often I might lose on the way. Does that make sense? There are genuine fears that I am not telling you that fear is a sin. There is a command to fear not. The difference between danger and fear, do not misunderstand me, danger is real. But how you respond to it matters. The most contagious thing in the world is not a virus. It is not going to be put in a Petri dish, but it can be spread with a single touch or a word or even if someone is missing. Truth be told, how many of you this morning felt less safe because there were fewer people here when you came today? Did it come across your mind, maybe I shouldn't be here either? You understand how easy it is? Even when someone is absent, fear can be spread. The second most contagious thing in the world is laughter. How can anybody read this seriously? <laughs> I was walking down the road and I saw a donkey. <clears throat> Yo. <laughs> oh dear, I don't. <clears throat> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> he only had three legs, one eye. He liked to listen to country music and he's quite tall and slim. And he smelled really, really bad. Oh dear. <laughs> He's a stinky, dinky, lanky, honky, tonky, winky, wonky. That book was given to me by Miss Sarah Clark and Mr. Peter Clark for my boys to read. And I thought it was genuinely hilarious until they said, no, you've got to find the Scottish grandma reading this book to her grandbaby. (laughs) Immediately, the room can change. From the panic, from the first trailer, from the first movie, from the thought that my son is sick, what am I going to do? Everybody else is trying to box themselves off. To just laughter makes you completely unaware of what you experienced only moments earlier. Is there something to be said about how perfect love, how God's own joy can cast out all fear? Let me tell you something else that comes through scripture when it, when it comes to being spread. Okay? 
I've had the opportunity to hear Wilfred teach from this passage once before, but I wanted to pull something different from Acts chapter 4. If you have a Bible this morning, please pull out Acts chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, we have some for you that will be wiped down. And if you don't own a Bible, <laughs> that's our gift to you. I want to make sure nobody goes without God's own word in their own hands. So they can see this and tell the pastor if he's telling lies. In Acts chapter 4, we have just witnessed Peter and John who had miraculously healed the lame man at the gate called Beautiful. Okay? The beauty of this piece is how you can be afraid what you ask for, what you try to do, will fail. But faith may require you to pull somebody up before they have the strength to stand. Outside the gate called Beautiful, they ask for alms, and Peter says, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have for you, I'll give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and be made well, and walk. And before he finds the strength, he pulls the man to his, his feet, and then his ankles were strengthened. <laughs> she had to take a second. That God didn't show up in the miracle before the act of obedience. That I can be afraid this is not going to work, but I'm going to follow regardless. An act of faith even means coming to church, even if you don't know that you're going to go home without being made contact to somebody else who can carry something you're afraid of. I am grateful that even in being here today, you have followed God's command, you are obedient, and you are here before you've got the proof that what you do matters. And that's okay. Faith is a very strange thing that God has asked us to have, rather than certainty. To trust before you leap. The residential authorities in Acts 4 come to address the men because they've gathered such a large crowd to put a natural order over their supernatural work. Remember this when our leaders restrict the office of the church. And I've got to make this distinction clearly. He will not limit the influence of the kingdom. There are churches across the island this morning who have their doors closed. It is not because they are afraid. It's because they care so deeply about the people that they are reaching out to. They will find another way to deliver the message. Christ's church will endure the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The kingdom of God will continue to reach even where there are walls between us. Spoiler alert, it's been 2,000 years. We're still telling the story where we're restricted against it. That revival happens to occur the brightest and the strongest and the most prominently where it's not welcome. Imagine for a moment the fact that people can't get to church on Sunday throughout the island and then they're worried. Do you think that they're going to go looking for help that they may not have if the doors were already open? What does the Bible say about control, fear, disease, faith? Search engines are blowing up in this very moment. People who, who may never have gone to church on Sunday if it were the norm have a sudden sense of urgency. And in order to try to contain the panic and to contain the fear, leaders will ask us, limit gatherings over so many people. Make sure that you don't touch this way. All of it is good advice. When the doors are closed, it's out of love and respect. It is not out of fear. But that does not limit the influence we have for the kingdom. There are people in this moment that though their apartment buildings, their condominiums, I'm thinking even of the L.A. Bowen, this would be a fantastic ministry. Where seniors are more at risk, there are people that have offered to go and take grocery lists from everybody and go into Dominion and make the purchase and come back out and make sure they don't have to see any more crowds than the one person 
who was willing in influence. Do you realize how, how awesome an opportunity it is when everyone else is afraid to turn to a God who's unchanging, whose love has cast out all fear? So in this moment, the authorities come together and, and they're a little bit worried. They're a little bit afraid because so many people have got, come together and they don't have control over what happens next. In Acts chapter 4, verse 13 onward, when the priests saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. They recognized they had been with Jesus. Seeing the man who was healed beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And they had commanded the men to leave their council. They conferred to one another, saying, what are we going to do? A notable sign has been performed through them, and it's evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in his name. So they called and charged the men not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to him, you need to judge. We can't but speak of what we've seen and heard. When they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. I thank you, Lord, for your word. Here is a simple truth that should be a great relief, especially in the age of introversion. In social isolation, where you don't even get to have these conversations anymore at this way. Being ready to share comes second to being close to God. These men were uneducated, illiterate. They did not have a Bible. It hadn't actually been finished yet. It hadn't been all the way written from one end to the other to make sure everyone had the story. And even so, rather than getting off with making sure they had verses memorized and the right hymn and the right word and the right time, instead they wanted to be sure that everyone who they came in contact with knew they had been with Jesus. The best rehearsed introduction in the world doesn't do the same justice as knowing the one you talk about as close as your father. I got the opportunity to do the introduction for Johann Mostert, who created the Discipleship Dynamics Assessment for General Conference for our pastors. And I had seen his work, and I'd seen what this does, and I read a bio, and it, it made no sense to me, because this is a guy from South Africa working on stuff that... Like, I, I'm bad enough with math, much less doing, like, entire spreadsheets of how a person's personality works in their workplace. So I could dismiss it. I had the best rehearsed introduction ever. Then I got to pick him up at the airport. And I took this man from Gander to Lewisport, and in 57 kilometers, I had made more of a friend in a half-hour conversation than what I had read in three days. Because this man had showed me the reason why he's doing what he is doing is to show you... His different principles were stuff like confirmation bias, for, for confidence, for, for how it mattered that you would reflect. It means you would look back. Imagine you write a journal. Who here keeps a journal? I would imagine it's not as common as I would love to encourage you. I started keeping a photo journal in 2016. On New Year's Day in January 2016, my son arrived, and we were so happy. And I promised myself that I would take a picture of him or with him or of my day every day since he's been born. So I didn't realize the benefit this, this little tiny journal would have. Because now, every single day, I get a little pop-up in my old journal. 
on what happened a year ago, on pictures of him getting ready to go out to Fogo Island to go fishing with Nana and Papa in this ugly little orange jacket. <laughs> I had one come back of my own birthday this year in January. And the photo reminder was of Crystal and I alone at a table where she tries to sing whisperedly because my boy was so sick and we had no one else in the world, just the two of us, and she tried to whisper, sing to me, happy birthday. It had been one of the hardest days of my life in that portion of my ministry and my story. It was a hard day. And then I look back from that birthday to this one, and it's not been long, four years later, and how far God has carried me in these four small steps, I wouldn't be able to adequately express in an introduction. I just need you to know this man that I've met, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good, that his mercies endure to a thousand generations. Doesn't matter how well rehearsed, as much as I want you to know, I want you to, to put God's word in your heart. The best introduction comes second to knowing who you're talking about. I want you to take what we share as pastors and, and dwell on it. And if you have the opportunity to share it, perfect. But if I only ever give you what I've heard secondhand versus meeting God in person, anybody can smell how fake that is. <laughs> I'm asking you even more so, I don't want to disqualify the credit of Scripture. But reading the Bible and praying are as necessary as breathing in and breathing out. You can't just do the one. <laughs> and a changed life will give room for critics, but they will challenge who you were, not who you are. If the man can now walk, what are they picking on? This man used to be crippled. He begged for years. He stood outside this temple. Jesus likely passed him himself. How is it that this man, who used to not be able to walk, well, now he can walk. So what have I got to say? We had the opportunity in prison on Friday past to talk about how God had changed lives so that the men present would hear from testimony how valuable this is. I had, I had gotten the chance to bring Jackie and Sharon in with me, and I've had stories from our own church and from their own circles that stick. I wanted to bring them a picture of Shane Blackmore, who, who left the penitentiary and now, on Monday Pass, recorded an episode for Heart Matters. I cannot wait to share with you how far a man has come from, from witnessing suicide in his own cell to being married, to having a sustainable job, to having a circle of friends and a faithful church, and knowing that God had carried him from the end of his rope to the heights of heaven. And <laughs> Anyone who, who tries to diminish his testimony is criticizing who he used to be, not who he is. Let this be an encouragement. When anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Anyone who tries to take us down because we weren't always like this, remember that they're not criticizing who you are, who you were. Secondly, we act on the facts, not our feelings. Fear is contagious. Panic induces panic. And misery loves company. But the truth will set you free. A man had realized that this guy who was outside of my temple 
Caiaphas is the high priest, a man outside of my temple who's been begging for alms, who's over 40 years old, has just now received healing. I'm going to have to call some people together and ask about this. And all of a sudden in the crowds, what started off as, did you hear, becomes, well, make sure that uh, you've you got to carry a bottle of this and you've got to make sure you don't touch them there and that, you don't, that, that one person eating bat soup across the world, this is, this is the meme that's coming across in youth culture, that one person's mistake has now run out of toilet paper in America. <laughs> that panic breeds panic. Well, you need to be prepared just in case something bad happens. Well, I'm going to be prepared just in case something bad happens to me and my family and my neighbors. Well, well, if there's no toilet paper in Stephenville, well, we're going to have to go to Cornerbrook. Gas up the car, come on. Well, I've had people coming to from St. John's. <laughs> I don't want to diminish. I don't want to diminish the threat. I understand that. But do you see how far removed from being sure you take care of you to running out of toilet paper seems to be a picture of panic. (laughs) I know it'll also feel a lot different if you're in the mess. My boy is sick. And the moment that I felt he had a fever, my mind went to the worst place that I had. I made sure that we had our medicine cabinet full. I made sure that I had a thermometer at the ready. I stripped him down of his clothing and put him in the tub. I made sure that when he was asleep, he was bundled well. I picked him up. I never do this. I hate that the boy doesn't sleep. And I picked him up last night out of his bed and brought him into mine because I wanted to make sure I was there in case he needed me. Panic breeds panic. So I'm not telling you that you don't, that danger's not real. It's how we choose to react to it. The truth is that my son happened to spend time with a hundred other youngsters who had the cold. And that the simplest thing I can do is pray that God will fulfill his promise to hold my children better than I can. And I wash his hands. (laughs) That there's care you can take, but the truth will set you free. I need you to hear this because you are going to hear a number of lies as this continues and as this story ends. Can I, can I even bring you a bit of reflection on this? January, we thought we were going to be in World War III. February, all of Australia was on fire. You see how easily the threat has passed in our present mind. It's not that, that the danger isn't real. It's all of a sudden we found something else to panic about. And that what was about to take our peace in our life, well, that doesn't even have an effect right now. Take the truth that Christ has promised to be faithful to you and yours. That there is instruction about taking care of you and yours. That the Bible remains true. That the word will endure. So the men, they come and they question the apostles. And they make this plea about how well, there's nothing we can say to them, but we need to, to keep them from speaking in the name of Jesus. Just because it is, does not mean it should be. There's authority in a group, but we've had a long history of thriving because we followed the one true God instead of the crowd. It was popular opinion for generations that we would sterilize the mentally ill because that would control the outbreak of things we didn't understand. 
Before that, we used to believe that there were witches, women who would study sciences, that anyone that would assume that the earth revolved around the sun instead of the lights orbiting us was a heretic and needed to be burned at the stake. That crowds seemed to draw a lot more power. But I know a God who defied all the odds. I know a God that when it comes, not if, when it comes to the point where they're going to try to limit the office of the church, where they're going to try to change how you interact, where they'll close the opportunities that were afforded to us to reach out to these people, that Christ will find a way. He has always found a way. When there was a veil between him and I in the Holy of Holies, he tore it from head to toe. When there was a chasm I couldn't cross because of my sin and my doubt and my shame and my failure, he paid for it with his own blood. And he called me his own. I know that we as a church will endure, not because of our respect for the authority that be. It says in Romans 13, we do still please the governments that be. We still try to live without debts to any man that we submit to our governing authority. I understand that. But now we have an opportunity where we can pray harder. Where somebody who's looking for help that can't find it anywhere else because the doors have been shut. There is a God who opens doors no man can shut. That there is a peace that passes all understanding. Freely available through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And finally... Where it has changed our life, it's, we have to share that story. When faith comes by hearing, we share God's word. We don't limit his reach by assuming our testimony counts for less than a recited verse. Scripture is our final authority. God has promised that we are more than conquerors by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. I can recite to you in original Greek what a portion of Scripture says in Matthew as though it were first written down. It will mean nothing to you. I can try to tell you my little pocket key verses, my daily bread, and I want you to have daily bread. It is not cake for special occasions. It is sustenance for every moment. But it changes lives, and they need to see that you are the proof that when we got a chance to speak this in prison, when we get a chance to share this in our schools, and when our friends and families and neighbors panic at the thought that there's something outside of their control, I can show them God has been in control all of my days. I didn't know how I was going to make it in the middle of nowhere for me. Far from my family, far from what I called familiar. My wife and I alone in Toronto. <laughs> and he made a way. My son ended up getting a fearful call from me over the phone about we thought that his liver would fail him before he turned five. And I knew that God was a better parent than I am. And I know that he healed my boy because we get the call later that it was an entire, it, it baffles doctors about the change in his bilirubin, about the prick in his heel. Now he doesn't sleep. I'll work on that too. I'm praying that God's going to show up. But he's a better parent than I am. So I meet families who need a miracle for their children.
And as much as I want to point them and say that He has lavished His love upon us, and so we are called the children of God, and so much more we are called His heirs, that we would inherit His promise. These are beautiful promises and truths from Scripture. But so much more would I not limit God's reach by thinking that a poem is going to do more than my testimony. That I want you to know that God hears and answers prayer. Because I am the proof. Because you are the proof. Where I have seen God pull souls in this congregation from their darkest days and turn them around to share good news of great joy. Where time and time again we'll come with prayer requests and leave with praise reports. Where cancers have been halted in the name of Jesus. Where sickness was absolutely removed and health and wholeness had made dominant by the name of Jesus Christ. Where families who were broken have been restored, marriages made new, children brought home. Everything down from the weather to my tomorrows, I have trusted that God is in control. I'm following after his signal light (laughs) as closely as I can. And because I know him, I need you to know him and not just what I've heard. Most of the decisions that have been made in this pandemic have been made by secondhand information instead of firsthand exposure. I am not saying that it's not a real problem. I am saying how easy it is to act out of a secondhand information. Later in Acts, this is one that I got from my devotions later earlier in the week. In Acts chapter 11, Peter and John have been out ministering and God has changed Peter's life to, to reach out to us, the Gentiles. And 60 kilometers away, 57 kilometers away, Joppa and Jerusalem, okay? This is several days' walk if you're doing this as a missionary. When Peter had been in a man's home in Joppa, the people in Judea had started asking him about it when he arrived. Apparently, the news travels faster than you do. We have jet planes, and the news still travels faster than we do. That secondhand information is faster than firsthand experience. And he says, I want to tell you the whole story from the beginning. And it changes their minds that God has even extended salvation to the Gentiles. The decisions that have been made have been made out of secondhand information. That this is how common it can be. This is how dangerous it can be. And in mitigating that threat, we're going to do this. Before it ever gets to a first-hand experience for us in this church, can I remind you that there is a God in control? That the word of your testimony will matter in days of panic. And that I am asking you to have contagious faith, not contagious fear. I'll ask the worship team to return at this time as I give you some closing thoughts. And I'd like for us to sing Christ is mine forevermore because it's so beautiful and relevant in my piece here. I need you as my family of faith to do a few things for me. I need you to pray for my little boy. It breaks my heart at the thought that right now he doesn't feel like himself. That he just wants to lie down against me instead of screaming quotes from Avengers and throwing things as hard as he can and all the energy and playfulness have been taken from him because of his health. 
And I've only got a glimpse of what I know our friends and families are afraid are going to happen to them. That there are people outside of this pandemic have been dealing with a loss of health and strength that need a miracle. If you are one of them, can you show me your hand just for a moment so I know where, God, where I'm praying this morning? I want you to pray for my boy. That's my first piece. My second is very simple. Can we please just have clean hands, open hearts, okay? And God's peace. Panic is so easy to induce. Fear is so contagious. Nobody is immune. And when they tried to stop the spread of the gospel, it overcame because all they had to say was that I'm just going to tell you what I've seen and what I've heard. What I got firsthand trumps the fear you got secondhand. What I know works is that there is a God who still reigns over the sickness that my boy is dealing with. There is a God that still has control over the wind and waves. So why do I need to fear sinking? Let your faith be so contagious that his love drives out their fear. That your first-hand experience would trump their second-hand fears. That I pray God's blessing and kindness over you that this is the last chance I'll get to pray with you today. So I won't forsake the opportunity. Thanks for listening. And please don't go without getting connected. Subscribe, share, and encourage someone this week. Look us up online at facebook.com forward slash ZPC home. If you could ever visit, know that we've got a place saved for you. We want you to pray, grow, give, and go in Jesus' name. May God bless you.